everyone. I'm your host, Liana Pavane, founder of TTYL, human connection advocate, certified life coach, and most importantly, a human that's just trying to figure it out. I'm your unapologetic 20-something native New Yorker, advocating selfships. Yes, I'm in a relationship with myself while navigating the dating world. I'm on a mission to break down dating stigmas in our society and to stop ghosting. I started this podcast after my ex broke up with me over the phone. I know, at least it wasn't a post-it. And I realized that our dating etiquette was severely lacking due to technology. Each week, I invite guests onto the podcast from all walks of life to discuss their first date horror stories and best dates. Because let's be honest, we don't focus on the positives enough when it comes to dating. The best part about this podcast is that after each episode, I've walked away feeling more confident about myself and my relationships. So whether or not you're single, in a relationship, or find yourself in a situationship, I welcome you to get comfy as I dive into the uncomfy so we can normalize it together. Jitters, on your first date, not in your coffee. I am so excited to partner with Jibby Coffee, a lifestyle and wellness brand that crafts functional coffee for the balance-seeking consumer. They crafted a CBD-infused Colombian cold brew to help people focus throughout the day without the jitters or crash. Dairy-free, gluten-free, vegan, no added sugar, and no compromises. Made in the U.S. and 100% recyclable. In addition to the fact that this coffee is focus and clarity boosting, 1% of every Jibby order goes to a high-impact nonprofit at no added cost to you. You can even track your impact directly through their partners, Charity Water, Food for Farmers, and Cannabis for Conservation. Use code GHOST15 for 15% off. That's GHOST15 for 15% off on both subscription and one-time purchases. Available at jibbycoffee.com for free shipping nationwide. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Ghosts of Dates Past. I'm super excited about today's episode. I'm here with Jeremy, who is the subconscious mindset coach. I am super excited to chat with him, and he is traveling around and doing his thing. Where are you tuning in from right now? I'm actually currently in Medellin, Colombia. Wow. So exotic. I love it. (laughs) So can you tell everyone a little bit more about what you do specifically? Absolutely. I actually work with my clients on reprogramming their brain to go after any type of dreams they have, help my clients with confidence and anxiety and self-expression and coming home to themselves and purpose and basically anything that the brain is stopping them from doing, I basically help them reprogram it to have them show up the way they want to show up in the world. Mm, Beautiful. And I'm excited to dive in because I know you're going to have some amazing things to say. So let's hear the first date horror story. (laughs) Okay. First date horror story uh, was in Hollywood, California. And I picked her up and it started innocently. And then we go to a bar and the, the music was kind of loud and she was kind of having a hard time understanding me perhaps and so I spoke louder and, and I guess she was able to hear me she's like no that's not good enough hold on I'm like what no it's fine we can talk louder and she just berates 
the bartender, excuse me, how dare you have this, this music? I can't even effing hear him. This is ridiculous. How yet? And she just went off on the guy. And I sat there in disbelief, like, no, it's not a big deal. Like, I'm just so uncomfortable. And right in that moment, I'm like, all right, I'm done. And the funny part is that we already planned to go to an improv show right after our drink. So it was so funny because we didn't even sit next to each other <laughs> at the improv show. It was so awkward. I love the improv. So I made the most of it. And then, funny enough, a few years later, my buddy's like, oh, check out this girl. I'm about to go on a date with. I was like, no, that's <laughs> Girl, I told him the story. He's like, "Oh man, oh man, I was excited." And I'm, thanks for telling me. And then he's like, "Thunder." Oh my god, that is so funny. Well, yeah. First of all, how someone treats the wait staff or any staff, super, yeah, red flag right away. That, not even that's an immediate no. That's an immediate. We're not going past this point. But okay, wait. So in between drinks and improv you both were like nah and then that's why you sat separately yeah I was just I stood up for this in the, the bartender like, hey you know the bartender didn't like it's not his fault like I was those out about I don't know it's just ridiculous she was just on I didn't in the moment I didn't really know this but she was trauma dumping on him in my judgment like something else was going on in her life and she was displacing her frustration in a safe space in her eyes and there's a bit of projection going on, and she was not happy. I think she was trying to be an actress in Hollywood. Yeah, I, I do like what you said about projecting because that's something that I've been trying to be more aware of and noticing in my everyday life with people that, you know, it could be my boss who maybe she gets upset at something little I did, and then I think, oh, well, maybe there's something going on in her life. I don't I don't really see a reason for her to be mad at me, but maybe she just, it's the, I'm the closest person that she's talking to right now. And it makes it easy for people to just, yeah, project their issues onto others. So I think similarly, you know, maybe she had a bad conversation on the phone with someone before she came to you or who knows, you know, maybe she was just not in a good place. And that was the easiest, right. That was the, the easiest person because it wasn't really, you know, to her, in her eyes, it's of no one of significance in her life. Yeah, so there's nothing to lose. she didn't see it as, right, exactly. Yep, totally. So yeah, I, I love it. And diving in, you know, we talked briefly before, and we've kind of been in touch for a bit. So something that you are really big on is being friends first with people before you date so yeah why why is this important to you so <laughs> I love this story because I actually was going on a lot of dates and it wasn't it wouldn't go well and it was really frustrating because we have incredible text message exchanges and just back and forth and then we would go on a date and then right away when we didn't get a, or we didn't see the sparks romantically that's it. All right. Nice knowing you. Sorry, I wasn't feeling it. Sorry, I wasn't feeling it. And uh, sometimes I felt it as well. I felt it and they didn't. I'm like, I thought they went really well. And then finally, I was like, you know what? 
I'm done. I'm I'm so tired of and I talked about it, investing all this time and energy in someone. It's a lot of time sometimes, the back and forth. Oh, Joe, really? That's cool, blah, blah, blah. Just seeing how you communicate. And then all of a sudden, you don't get along, and all that investment went away. And the best metaphor I like to do is you invested a lot in a stock, and all of a sudden, it's gone, right? So for a period of time, I went on my Bumble account. I wrote, only looking for friends. And I was completely serious. I was just so over it. So I did that. And it was so much better. For one, if it doesn't go well, which the word, I was looking for a friend. So that's what I'm looking for. And we, I have a new friend. It was incredible. Uh, on top of that, I actually had more luck in my dating life when I was legitimately only looking for friends. And the reason is most people, when they're in the dating realm, they're only sharing what they think is the best part of themselves on, in the dating realm. So they're actually hiding a part of themselves. So they're subconsciously not showing up completely authentic because they want the other person to like them. But if the person, if both parties are friends, they show all parts of them just because they're friends, they have nothing to lose, right? And Sometimes I get frustrated because I'll have like a bad day and I won't be my how I you know my most powerful self whatever. And I get on the phone with a girl I've had that in the past. I'm like I just need to feel the energy. You're kind of just kind of low energy this and that. I'm like I was having a bad day. <laughs> like it's, been, it's so frustrating sometimes because I feel like it's so much easier to find a date these days with online dating that people are so much quicker to cross people off. And then there's also obviously the the, the level of um, shiny object syndrome, whatever. There's uh, always better out there. There's plenty of stories because I've read about it because when I was a dating coach, I thought it was very fascinating. This guy, this guy's story about how he met a girl and he's like, I don't know, maybe is this someone better? And then he ended up never finding a girl as as good for him. Mm, yeah. Oh, that's the ones that got away. Yeah, that's tough. I... I do resonate a lot with what you're saying, though, about this idea of being friends, because I think especially, and I've been thinking a lot about this, because I do have anxious tendencies a lot of times in the beginnings of uh, dating someone or relationship or dating around with people, and I can start overanalyzing and just reading into things. And I feel like it's a lot easier when you kind of almost put yourself in the mindset of, I am just here to meet this person, to connect with someone new to potentially have a new friend in my life, a new person. It does, who knows where that connection is going to lead you? And I think that's kind of the beauty of what people should be seeing as online dating as a tool rather than a means to an end. But I think, well, I know we weren't taught how to use these dating apps. We weren't taught how to use dating tools in general or to date properly. And I think there's a lot of, you know, through media and dating advice that's thrown around, no one is really sure how they're supposed to act or what they're supposed to do. And so I think there's a lot of emphasis, like you said, on we need to be the best version of ourselves when we're interested romantically in someone, especially in the beginning. Well, what does that mean? What is the best version of myself? Some days I don't feel great, but it's still the best version that day, right? So it kind of gets, and I think it's important to be comfortable 
enough to share those things with the people that you're dating to share the bad moments, even in the beginning, because that's inauthentic when we just show them or when we meet them on the best days for us, because that's not what every day is going to be like. And that's an unrealistic portrayal of who you are going to be, you know, when, oh, all of a sudden, maybe you move in with this person and they're seeing all these different sides that you never expressed. That's not fair. And that, that actually happens where I don't even, the real part, I quote unquote, the real part of them comes out months, sometimes years later. And there's no negative to being friends first. And for example, say I make a new friend, like, you know what, Jeremy, you're amazing. I have a friend I want to set you up with. And then that person sets you up with like the perfect person. Oh no, what a terrible side effect of becoming friends first. Totally. Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, so kind of going off of that, this idea of online dating and just, so you clearly kind of figure out a way, and I don't know if you're on it now, but during that time, you kind of figured out this way to not take it so seriously. So how did you, yeah, how did you do that? And how did you kind of separate yourself from this shiny object mentality that you mentioned? That's a good question. I, I think a lot of people, when they connect with someone, they look at it in a, in a means of like a transactional energy. For me, I'm a huge believer in seeing human connection in general as an experience and because it's, it's so much more powerful and natural. And the way I use online dating has been ever since then is just to meet amazing people and have amazing experiences. And I feel like so many people are so attached to forever and ever when nothing in life is forever and ever. And life in general is just a collection of moments, some good, some bad. Yes, I believe that having someone to share that with is fantastic and it will present a lot of shared moments. But I don't think, I don't, when people are so attached, as you said earlier, to the end all, they, they're not in the journey. They're not in the moment. And I'm not going to sit here and say, just be in the moment, because it's very against our DNA to be in the moment for our brain. Our brains don't like being in the moment. If we're in the moment, our brain doesn't know what's going to happen. So it doesn't like it. It's the unknown, right? If we're in the past, our brain knows exactly what happened. If we're in the future, our brain can make up whatever it wants. <laughs> but in the present moment, our brains don't have any control. And with same with me and connection. I'm going to say connected. I'm going to say present with the person I'm with. And whatever happens, happens. Just sharing those moments and letting go of the results, letting go of being attached to the results that come out of it is something that is game-changing because it makes the journey that's so much more exciting. So many people, I just want to meet someone. I just want to meet someone. Like, what about right now? What about enjoying what's going on right now? There's so much power in being single. There is, of course, pros and cons of being single and having a relationship. When you're single, you can do things whenever you want. How cool is that? (laughs) There's obviously a lot of pros in sharing joy and experiences with someone else. There's a teamwork dynamic thing go on and on. But yeah, that's my answer. It's no, so well said and so beautiful. And I love this concept of letting go of control in the present moment, because I think that is exactly 
That is, and I feel like I've been searching. I feel like I've been searching my whole life for that. Like someone to tell me why I cannot stay in the present moment or why people cannot stay in the present moment and why people have, you know, potentially it's, you know, the idea of addiction. I feel like it's this need to control and it's because we can't control, we have the ability to control what's going on, but we can't control other people's actions in our lives. And I think that's, especially with human connection and with dating, that can be a really hard pill to swallow is because exactly going back to what you were saying in the beginning, where you sometimes felt you were vibing with someone and then they say they weren't, that can be really hard to hear and really hard to take in. And you're, you get confused because you're like, did I not pick up on signals? Am I, was I missing something? Did I do something weird? But I think the biggest thing is, and the reason why we cannot be living in the present all the time, or our brains don't want to live in the present is because of this idea that we can't control what is happening in the moment. We can't control what this person is going to say. We can idealize, right? So I think that's why I, our brains love to go into fantasy land and, you know, having this reverie midday of just, ooh, our lives with this person or whatever, whatever, or overanalyzing, right? Or why our minds spend so much time in the past and regret because we can replay everything that happened and that's easy. And then, you know, going down, thought, 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 but it's safe. Right. It's safe and it's easy versus living in the unknown and living in the uncertainty of literally, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen in two hours from now. And that can be scary. And I think that's why I go back to, you know, before any experience that you do have, whether it be a date or going somewhere, even the beginning of your workday, you know, setting these intentions of what you want from your day or what you want to get out of your experience, because at least you can, can, can try and control your actions. Of course, there's going to be external things that happen day in and day out, but you can try your best to control what you do as best you can. Oof, beautifully said. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> kind of just spitballing here, you know? Yeah. It reminds me, I remember I was uh, doing social coaching for a while. And one of the things I had my clients do is just say hi to 10 people in a row. And they could not skip anyone because then they're paying attention to the other person, right? So say the fourth person gives them a really dirty look or something. The first reaction of my client is to get upset. I'm like, no, dude, good. Good job. Good rep. Six more, baby. Let's go. I think it's so powerful to just not concentrate on the other person, how they react. And we live in such a society of results that it hinders the journey so much. And the, the interesting part is the more we concentrate on the energy of our effort, the better the results will become because we're enjoying the process more. So it's, it's not as scary a thing to put in the energy into whatever we're trying to learn and do and grow in. Mm, yeah, I love that so much. And that delves really well into this energy thing because you introduced me to something really cool. These four energy pillars that you mentioned to me, which I had never heard of. And I think we're both really big on energy. And so I'd love for you to kind of touch on all four of them, what they are, what this concept is. And yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. The first energy is the lover energy. And to kind of present this, this is these are different energies that you can choose to feed 
in different parts times in your life in any moment, right? So for example, in this podcast, I would, I'm in lover energy and lover energy is just being open, saying yes. And then there's moments in which lover energy is not what I want to be feeding. And that is the next energy, which is the warrior energy. And that's setting boundaries and that's saying no to things that don't support, for example, my core values or what I'm trying to accomplish. You know, as you said, your intention for the day. If someone says, hey, you want to do this? No, my intention for the day was to get this all done. Like I wouldn't be, it would not serve me in that moment. The next one is uh, magician energy. Magician energy is when I kind of, I get introspective. I just stop and I take moments, go into my cave and I think about, all right, am I showing up the way I want to show up in the world? or my actions, feeding my, my core values. And it's kind of a recheck-in. It's a, it's a reset, right? It's a reset. Because sometimes I get off kilter. I stop my morning routine, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm not doing my morning routine. Let me take a second. How do I – let me reset. What's working, what's not working? Let me go, go inside myself and figure out what's working, what's not working, and then try again. What can I do now? What, it's almost like, what can I do now? Instead of chastising myself and being hard on myself, Right. The next energy is the king or queen energy. The king or queen energy is when all my needs are met and then I can pour into someone else. A lot of people try to help other people when they're in an awful space and they just, you know, they say you have to fill your cup first. When I do my coaching calls, (laughs) my morning routine is two hours. (laughs) I pour into my cup. I just, I enjoy my coaching calls and I'm able to pour into my clients so much more when I when my when I pour into myself for my two hour morning routine. And I'm always choosing when I'm feeding each one. And I have a beautiful example. I'm at a wedding and I'm meeting all these amazing people. Am I gonna be in my magician energy? No, because I wanna talk and meet people. So it's always it's kind of checking in like which energy would be the most healthy to be in, most powerful to be in, in every, almost every moment of our lives. And I actually use these energies as the, the groups that I do as far as um, the group coaching. I love it. Yeah, it just rings so true. And it makes me think back to certain parts of my life, or even looking back on the last couple of years, and just thinking, wow, I spent a lot of time in certain energies, because I really needed to give to myself. I really needed to spend time thinking inwardly and even creating the boundaries that I then am expressing to people in my life. I didn't even have those, right? I didn't even have those in set in place. And so, and I also just this, I think that that idea when we're lost, when we've disconnected from the, this bright energy. And I think all of the energies can fuel this bright light, this you know, feeling 100% ourselves and feeling really grounded in what we're doing and excited. And I definitely, I think we talked about this, I'm definitely in this like introspective energy right now of planning and kind of having these, okay, I'm going to go in and hole up for a few hours and just do this deep work and kind of talk out loud to myself and think about things. And, but I'm also in a space where I've done a lot of work on myself, where I know what I need to do when I start doubting or when I start feeling off to the point where I can give and I can help others. And I feel like 
and I, I know that that in my core, like that is my purpose that I want to help people that I want to connect people, but I lost that for a bit. And I think we all were in this weird funk during the pandemic and that is so normal. And so because I am in a place where I worked on myself, I went through that energy inwardly and now I can be helping others. It's like, wow, my internal energy is so strong. And so is my external energy because I am able to put the energy out there again to help others, which is my purpose. So it's all like, I feel like the energies are really all connected. You kind of have to go through each of them to get to the, the last one. Beautifully said. Ladies and gentlemen, let's hear it. <laughs> someone, someone recently said, uh, we were recording an episode, they were like, it's like you should have a podcast or something. And I was like, ah, funny. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, honestly, I, I can't take full credit for everything that I've learned over, I guess, yeah, I mean, this past year of doing this podcast because so much of it has been the guests that I've had on. And it's funny, I'm in the process of transcribing all the episodes I've done so far and rereading back and the things that I said in the beginning to the things that I'm saying now, I mean, I've grown so much. I've learned so much. I learned so many phrases. I've learned things about my past relationships. I've let go of so many like regrets and mistakes that I've had just from what people have taught me and what people have shown me. So it's all due to you guys, honestly, and just I'm coming in with this foundation, but so much is added into my life. And I'm so grateful for everything that the guests have brought on at the end of the day. So yeah, I, re- I, I resonate with that. I, I started to have a podcast and I learned so much from my guests. <laughs> it's been a, a really cool experience. <laughs> it is. It is. And just touching on the energies, I think, in our dating lives. So how can we apply them specifically to that area? Don't go on dates when you're having a really hard time, just because maybe you, got, you there's a power in taking care of like dating yourself, right? I think uh, I think so many people are on the dating apps and dating in general to get that external validation. And in our society, where we have this, this, this Disney princess, the, the rom-com of he's my other half, she's my other half, it's so toxic in the sense of by saying this person's my other half, you just called yourself half a human being, right? And it's so important. I noticed so often, and I've done it in the past, I'm not going to lie, where I've used dating as a way to get external validation. However, yes, short-term, it might feel good to get that match and that message and that phone number, whatever it is, right? But to, this sounds so ridiculous, I remember I, I make fun of it, but to date yourself is so undervalued and it doesn't happen very often. People are so scared to be by themselves. And I challenged myself for a while when I was doing my work to date myself. I went off the apps and it was so hard at first. And I'll get into this later on, I'm sure, about change and how our brain doesn't like change. At the beginning of change, our brain's like, no, this is wrong and this is awful. But it's not. It's just our brain doesn't like change. Our brain doesn't care if we're happy. It doesn't. <laughs> and that's something that's really important. Our brain does not care if we're happy. It doesn't. It just wants to be safe. And it doesn't want it to change in any way, even if it's powerful change. So for the energies, uh, I think, for example, the lover energy, say you're in a space to date, say you've been dating yourself and you've been taking care of yourself, and you're saying, you're saying yes to going on dates when you're feeling good. Because if you're feeling tired and off when you go on a date, you don't know the person very well, well that's going to be fun. And then the person's not going to like you because you're not showing, you're not, not yeah, you can take care of yourself. You're not your best self, right? People just say, just be yourself. And I don't agree. I think there's a layer beyond that, which is be your best self, right? And how does that look? You say it looks different every day. But as far as, and then the warrior energy is really powerful in the sense of, 
values, like what is important to you in, in a partner. I've heard so many times I've had clients who just will go out with anyone just for the external validation. How is it because they like having attention from someone? It feels good to get the text message and the validation and the, the words of affirmation and whatever it is from a person, even though that person is not someone that they, they, live, they have chemistry with long term. That's another aspect. I go on and on with this. <laughs> it resonates a lot. I think it's just, yeah, this feeling, I mean, the, the, obviously the dating yourself concept I did the same thing. So I get it. And I know how important it is and why it's important. And it really all connects back to that energy, right? Like I said this to so many people, if you are in this space that you believe you're going to meet someone and they're going to make you happy and they're going to solve all your problems, they're not. Newsflash, they're not. You make yourself happy. And like, you have to figure out, I think that's an interesting concept too. Like your brain doesn't, it doesn't care if you're happy because I think ultimately like it's just a space for your thoughts to filter through and you can control which thoughts and which thoughts you lean into and which thoughts you actually believe. So I think, cause so many times like Get it, girl. you probably, you probably have, well, I learned a lot of this in therapy too. So we have, I don't know, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of thoughts a day. Right. And we get to decide which ones come to the forefront of our minds and which ones were like, oh, bing, 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 this one's really big. Why is this one really big? Oh, because we maybe kind of believe it. Why do we believe that thought? And then you have to disprove that thought if it's quote unquote, maybe negative or not serving you right. Or just seeing it like something that I've really practiced is like the thoughts show up. You're like, I thought oh, that's nice. That's an interesting perspective, but that's not true. Swipe it away. Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, I think you're fully on point. The only, only disagreement I have is you choose which one's the forefront. Sometimes the thoughts that are negative are actually the loudest in that moment. Well, yes, 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 I agree. Yeah, yeah, I think I actually, one of the things I did at a speech recently, two of the points that I made is your, your thoughts are always suggestions. And the second one is your relationship with yourself equals your relationship to others. Yep. I agree with both of those things so much. <laughs> I Yeah. And I think, you know, something I say to people is you're the one that's living in your mind every day. Like you wake up and you're the same person and you have the same mind that you did yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. So make it a place that you are somewhat okay with living in. And yeah, there are going to be negative thoughts that come up, but like, how do you deal with those negative thoughts? You know, are you talking to yourself like you would your best friend? Are you going up to the mirror and hyping yourself up? What are you doing to bring yourself joy every day? Beautifully said. And also going back to what we talked about, if I'm treating myself really, really well, and someone externally treats me terribly, that it won't fit how I'm treating myself. So I'm like, whoa, hold on. That's not okay how you're treating me. If you continue to treat me like that, we're, I'm never going to talk to you again. And that a lot of times, well, that person will respect that boundary. If I'm treating myself really terribly and someone else treats me very terribly, well, because I'm used to this, so I allow it. <laughs> if I'm treating myself very well and someone is nice to me, I will accept it and I'll say, thank you so much. If I don't treat myself well, and someone treats me well, I don't, I reject them because it doesn't fit how I treat myself. Yeah, no, it's so true. I completely agree. So I want to get to your best first date story. My best, oof, good question. It's so, it's actually my ex-girlfriend of many years ago. (laughs) 
And it's funny, I, um, I started taking on the rule of going half on a day. And I know that's a perspective that a lot of people won't agree with me on. And that's totally fine. And the funny part about this day is I told this girl before when I was there, just letting you know, because I was so frustrated where I go on a date and I spent all this money and I would pay. And then we actually didn't have any chemistry. And it was this weird energetic feeling of being, I felt like I was being used. So it built up some, some bitterness. And then on top of that, energetically, when one person pays, there is a kind of an IOU type of energy as well. And there's a pressure there. It's just not healthy. So I think if both parties are making some money, they should go half, right? They, they should be equal. Equity theory. So important in my opinion. And the funny part about this rule is I told this girl, I was like, you know, before we're going to date, we're going half. <laughs> and it was so uncomfortable to tell her that because I was scared of her saying, oh, really? Oh, my God. I can't believe you're not going to pay us. So, like, but not a gentleman. And I went on the date, and it was, she was amazing. Alcoholics Girl's awesome, and she was totally into it as well. And then I paid. <laughs> and then we went out. But the cool part about it is uh, we went to another place, and she paid for me. So it kind of equaled out. And then it's another place. And it was it was a, a really fun day. And she ended up being my girlfriend for a bit. Oh, I love that. I, I, yeah, I think that's, that's a really cute story. And I agree with that feeling of, oh, like I owe this person or yeah, I never want to feel indebted to anyone. I definitely like to provide when I can, if we go somewhere on a date where I can just, maybe it's, oh, we want to spontaneously go somewhere. And we see like, usually I do the ice cream thing, the dessert thing where, you know, we get a drink. And then, oh, let's get ice cream or let's go grab a cookie or something. And then I'll just, you know, pay for that, which is always appreciated. I found I've had some people be like persistent. No, no, no. I'm like, no, please. It's like $10 or like whatever it is. It's fine. But yeah, I think like the little things are a nice gesture and it kind of like evens out. Obviously, it's like if the date is going well and you can go somewhere else. But I also always offer to split because, yeah, it's the nice thing to do and yeah it, it makes I think it makes the guy feel more like they're being used if it's not asked yeah I friend I had a friend that was a girl in the past was, was like just would go on dates just for free meals yeah I mean I will say like being treated is nice and I'm always like oh well like it yeah I'm going a day I'm like it's nice to be treated and like yeah it will be free assuming but at the same time I always do offer and like sometimes they're like oh yeah that would be great but then it's, I feel like it's weird when they say yes sometimes, because then I feel like my mind immediately goes to, oh, they're not that into it or like uh... something like that, which I don't, I agree. It's not always true, but I think that's where maybe some girls' minds would go. I don't know. I think, I think, I mean, if there's some work there, if a girl has that thought, it's just a thought. And that thought is part of like an, a, a, a space of insecurity. And if he's not into it, he's lost. Yeah, exactly. Sucks. <laughs> but yeah, and I think leading into just this idea of, well, yeah, kind of to that point, like setting boundaries, saying no, there are a lot of people pleasers out there. And people that have a really hard time doing that, and especially in dating, you putting yourself out there before a date to even say we are splitting this is a form of a boundary and could be seen as a negative or a positive. So for people who don't really know how to say no, what are some tips that you would have? Oof, people who don't know how to say no, practice 
say no, even if it's uncomfortable. Know that it's going to be uncomfortable at the beginning. It's going to be hard in the beginning. And I think it, it, it leads into an, like an ideal that I have in dating or another energy type that I am a huge fan of. And that is hunting versus fishing, right? Presenting and getting clear on who you are as a person, how you want to show up in the world. And it's, I, don't, I don't believe anyone's a certain way. We're always practicing who we are, right? And get clear on what is important in someone else, like a, a, like a non-negotiable in a, in a partner. Get very clear on that. You have an idea. Like so much power in being like, hey, I don't think you're my type. Most people don't do that. It's so powerful. So be very clear on what you're looking for and what the non-negotiables are. And going back to my thought process of fishing over hunting, and that is I think people are so attached to getting the person, even if deep down they know this person isn't the right fit. Instead, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. This is me. Take it or leave it. And I think there's an el- so much power in that because, for one, when you're like, this is me, take it or leave it, you're so much more likely to be authentic and you're going to enjoy it and you're not going to suppress yourself. And to tie that in with the idea of abundance, there are plenty of amazing people out there. And also, there's, it's interesting, having that energy subconsciously, the person can feel it. The person can feel it. It's like, wow, this person's really picky. I'm down to work on myself so that I can fit what this person is needing in a person. And then vice versa, the other person's like, hey, I'm picky as well. Are you, there's, and we talked about this in the call, like there's always going to be a time and place in a relationship where you're going to hit a wall. And if the person is worth it, a lot of the time, then that's when you do the work of her. I'm down to shift some things around because I'm going to be honest, there's no perfect person. There isn't. And it's about, is there a, is the compromise that you're going to make in the relationship worth the overall package? I think in, in relationships, there's always going to be compromises. That is just natural. And on top of that, there's an element of the first six to nine months, may, sometimes year max, there's a honeymoon phase and everything's perfect and people get super addicted to that phase and then after the honeymoon phase there's the attachment phase when all the like googly googly i'm in love you're the best thing in the world and then we ignore all those red flags i've been ignoring (laughs) so just having being very clear on what you're looking for in the opposite as a partner is so important so that the chemical dance as i'm gonna put it right now isn't blinding you Mm. Yeah, I love it because that's so much of what I did when I quote unquote dated myself slash still am. I think, and I think as we evolve and as we change just our mindset or our beliefs or whatever it is, day in and day out, what we're seeking in a partner changes too. So I think it's important to kind of go back and, and this is almost, I'm speaking out loud and I'm thinking, huh, I really need to sit back down and relook at my list from last year and check and see if it still applies because I don't know if it, some of it does anymore. I think some of it, you know, am I looking for the same kinds of things I was looking for before? Maybe not. And I think it's different when the intention is we are just looking for someone to connect with versus this idea in our head of we are looking for the one for the person we're going to spend our life with. And I think 
when we put that pressure on ourselves too, people, like you said, people pick up on the energy of, oh, I don't care. You take it or leave it. I am what I am, which I love. And I've totally been leading into that recently. And people do notice you and people come up because it's confidence. You're exuding this confidence of, I don't give a shit. I literally don't give a fuck what you think of me. And I've gotten to the point too, where I will just speak my mind where I would, you know, I mean, I try to be kind and and courteous to people, of course, but if I am disrespected in the moment or like, don't like what someone did, I will literally say it to their face right there. This dude literally resurfaces and I told him to his face that I would never date him. This was like a few weeks ago. I was like, I literally, I was like, by the way, I would never date you. (laughs) He was just, he was so flabbergasted. He was so taken aback. And I was like, I don't need to explain myself here. Like you are literally not dateable. So like he's spewing his whole life story to me. He had so many issues, dude. He had so many issues about his date. And it was interesting because it was a guy, right? Like this guy is telling me about his issues with dating and his life, how his job offered him opportunity to go abroad for two years, but he's nervous that if he goes, he's going to come back and he's going to be old. And like, when is he going to get married? And all his friends and his people in his life are getting engaged or married. And then he's going to be super old and he's going to be like 37 and getting married. And I'm looking at him and I'm going, you literally have a beautiful life opportunity to explore and to learn about yourself. And it seems like this is the perfect reason to take that job because you'll figure out all the answers to your problems. The universe is literally handing you the solution to get away from all of this. I'm like, who's telling you you need to get married at a certain age? Who's telling you that you're going to be old at X age? These are just thoughts that you have that are limiting your belief on your world. And to that end, I was like, he has things he needs to solve. But it was interesting because I've never heard a guy talk so much about what he's going through and his issues with dating from someone that I had dated or met in a romantic setting before. Wow. Yeah, I think there's there's something I take away from that. And that is, as you presented, um, it's a perfect opportunity to kind of find himself and heal and or maybe I'm I'm already I'm I'm alluding to some healing. And that's an important idea is that choosing to go head on with our limiting beliefs and demons and all that stuff is harder route. And it's the easier route to complain and just allow our habits that aren't serving us anymore. And it's it's eludes my coaching. <laughs> um what I in the sense do is I help my clients understand the software going on in their subconscious that's not serving them anymore and what, how they want to show up in the world and feel in the world. And I help them process all of it to reprogram it so they, they can take those powerful actions. And it's hard, very hard. I, I remember my client would say, I'm so upset. I got triggered. And this person said this. I don't want to be triggered. And I'm like, hold on, time out. You got triggered. And it's something actually one of my mentors taught me. And that is a trigger is actually a gift. And the reason I say that is because when you're triggered, it is the only moment in your life when your subconscious kind of carpet is shot up and all the stuff that you can choose to work on and process and heal is 
naked and ready to be just worked on. It's the only time, right? So what most people do is they keep something bothers them. They don't say it. And then if they sleep in under their, their subconscious carpet, they don't go after something. They have regret. They sleep it under their subconscious carpet. And they just ask what a trigger is. The carpet can't handle all the stuff you swept under the carpet. And then it comes out. Like, a little bit comes out. Okay, what is this? And it comes out. You get triggered. What most people do, instead of processing feeling, this goes into, like, emotions. People are so scared to feel sad or angry or so obsessed with being happy all the time. I think joy is very important. But I think all the emotions, if used correctly, are very, very powerful. I still have challenges with it. There's moments where I'm feeling sad. And I don't want to feel sad. And then I'm like, you know what? Let's let's challenge this. I'm going to challenge myself. And I'm going to remember the first time I felt my sadness times 10 instead of run away from it with unhealthy habits. Like, let's get into it. There's a lot. There's eating. There's porn. There's sex. There's alcohol. There's drugs. There's so many. There's so many ways I can distract myself from not feeling my emotions and processing the stuff that was presented to me on a silver platter as I got triggered. Yeah, no, that's something I've been thinking a lot about too, is like, especially now in the winter months, I feel like we're less, you know, a lot of people hole up and we just kind of want to, we're homebodies. We want to like cozy up by the fireplace, you know, get under blankets, whatever. And life kind of becomes this constant ritual day in and day out. Versus I think, you know, spring, summer, fall, it's like a lot of going out and doing things, but we're so distracted from the feelings because we're throwing ourselves into experiences and we're not allowing ourselves breathing space and breathing room to process everything that's happening. You know, an experience is very stimulating, going to an event, going to theater, going to see a movie, going out, dancing with your friends, going on a trip, like we're going, going, going when it's warm. And then in the winter, I think I read this book wintering uh, last year. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's this concept of just using winter as this hibernation state, as this season to really almost rebirth and regroup and re release and renew ourselves rather than seeing it as this negative, oh, we're holed up at home. We have nothing to do. And I definitely feel this antsiness in the winter, right? This like need to get out and need to explore. And I still schedule time for those things, but I find myself more happy and more, I, I'm in a like kind of a stasis of just constant motion. And sometimes I find myself agitated by that. Like, oh, I don't have a stimulation. I don't have like a night this week that I scheduled to go out with a friend or to go to an event or or anything, but then I find other ways. I, I try to I try to see it as a gift, like you said, to just sit and okay, what whatever's coming up for me, like what feelings am I having? Or sometimes just seeing it as a way to, like I've noticed, you know, midweek when it gets to Wednesday, and I've done a lot of work on like Monday and Tuesday nights. I need a night to just chill and just like do things that I enjoy, like reading a book. And you know, I literally like I literally once it hit you know five thirty six last night. I got my book, I cut myself an orange, and I sat on my floor and just read for an hour before I went on the rest of my night. And, you know, I just watched some TV and I, I did a bit of work, but it was mostly just, I needed to give myself a rest. And I think we just don't see 
that this time of year or like see certain experiences like that anymore? I think I'm, I'm glad you're taking time for yourself and that's some woke uh, perspective. I think there's a, you know, in my opinion, what the biggest like abuse drug is, comfort zone, comfort zone, right? And stepping out of that, and I, my favorite metaphor to the, for this is you get in your warm bath <laughs> and you've been in it and your hands are all wrinkly and the water's cold now, it doesn't feel good, but you've just been in it for so long. And then your, your body's like, let me just stay in it because I don't know anything else. I think there's an element of feeling comfortable and there's an element of feeling alive. And the most powerful moments for me is when I was absolutely terrified. I gave a talk in front of, what is it, not too many, like 17 people the other night. And it was, I was terrified. I couldn't sleep sometimes. I was sitting in a lot of fear. Uh, it was my first like real in-person speech. You've done a lot of podcasting and coaching and facilitating, but so it's different. And it was one of the more alive peak experiences of my life. And that's growth, though, too, because growing is hard. Like, no pain, no gain. This is a perfect example. In the moment, our brain tells us this is wrong, but we are actually taking the perfect, or taking actually great action. And it reminds me of this beautiful metaphor that I heard recently, and that's like the meat grinder, right? And the meat grinder is we're, we're grinding bologna, grinding bologna, or going along. You know what? I'm going to change it up. I'm going to put in some New York steak and put it in there. And you put the New York steak and then bologna comes out and then bologna comes out. And then the person says, oh, but it didn't work. I'm like, well, because you still had to get rid of some of the, the bologna first before you got to keep putting the action in. And eventually it will come out as New York steak. So in the moment, a lot of the times we're, we're actually on the right path towards our growth and towards our dreams. But our brain says it's not the right path. And that's the hardest thing for people and the hardest thing for me at times. Like I've had it where it feels off or, for example, full-time travels, to be completely honest, I had a lot of anxiety before I left to do full-time travel. I had a lot of anxiety. My brain was like, stay here, do the same stuff, don't travel full-time. That's going to be so awful and scary and blah, 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 blah. I've never felt so free in my life. I'm so curious how many things my brain is lying to me about what is just going to be the, the highlights and the most amazing growth that my brain in this moment thing can be awful. Let's, let's, here's a good example. I was I did a challenge of cycling for 30 days in a row just because I was at, I had a job I didn't enjoy, so I wanted to do some sort of challenge. Before I did this 30 days of cycling in a row, I hated cycling. <laughs> I'd be on my bicycle. It was so boring. How do people do this? And then I got, and then I did 30 days in a row. And I'm like, this is the most amazing thing ever. Did you take an hour every day to go cycling or was it like the entire day was cycling? I cycled, I cycled to and from work. And then I would, I would sometimes do more. It was like 14 miles. So I just remind, this is interesting. What things do I think I don't enjoy, but if I actually put energy into it, I will actually enjoy. Yeah. No, and I love that you took this leap of faith, kind of quieted those, those comfort zone thoughts that you're bringing up in your mind of just, no, this is what I want to do. And yet, I think, I mean, the anxiety comes up for me whenever there's change. And I've noticed that. And that's something it took me so long to pinpoint what it was, because I, I mean, I get anxiety shits, you know, if I'm going to be honest, I like, that's what it shows up for me. It's like, 
and whenever there's change, if there's a job interview that I'm nervous about, yeah, a speaking event, I, I did that a couple years ago. Any event that I've hosted, probably the first podcast I recorded at date, I have to go to the bathroom. Like that's just how it shows up for me, if I'm being honest. And for so many years, I had no idea that that is caused by anxiety. I had no idea that like your stomach literally controls everything in your system. So it's like when you're in anxiety space, your system is working on overdrive and it like shuts down and can't work. This is how my therapist explained it to me. She's like, yeah, your stomach is like the second brain. It literally is just the center of everything. And so that's why you can't, you don't know what to do and you're freaking out. And it's like, it shows up at night. You know, we like to be busy because we can avoid the thoughts, right? Like when we're working, when we're, I think that's why so much, so many of us become workaholics too, because being a busybody is so much easier than just living comfortably and sitting in all the thoughts and processing our feelings every day, every second of every day. That's exhausting. Working, yeah, exhausting, but it's the second our head hits the pillow when it all catches up to us and we realize, oh shit, there are like probably 20 things that we haven't dealt with in the past three years that hit us every day. And then it's just this constant hamster cycle, right? It's insane. Yeah, I think it's, it's a lot of people that come to me with uh, in coaching that they're tired of that same habit and they're tired of not being happy and why do you think what are the 80 something percent of people aren't happy in their jobs they're happy in general like what and there's also the level of consciousness that 80 percent of our thoughts are negative and i think a really important dynamic to this is acceptance accepting the thoughts and not freaking out when we get them is so important a lot of people reject their anxiety and then what does the anxiety do it yells even louder or reject their sadness or anger and then just all it does is yell even louder and there's so much power and just saying, I hear you, I hear you, I'm here for you. And there's isn't power in just connecting with our, our bodies and our inner child is something I do a lot of in parts work and naming our inner resistor, like critic, what's the name? Like mine's Brad and and to not give it that, like not give it that power, right? If Brad's saying like, no, Mike, you shouldn't have said that, that was dumb. I'm like, thanks, thanks for sharing, Brad. But, you know, or, and then there's a harder part actually because people listen to the negative critic so much more the resistor to change so much more there's actually a power in naming our super super unconditionally loving part of ourselves and mine is Gaia and guys like it's okay like I'll, I'll rub my chest it's okay you're good you're all right. I know you're okay you're okay I know and it's that understanding and that compassion and legitimately our the first step in healing is creating a compassionate relationship to ourselves I love that it's almost like unlearning some of the things that our parents taught us and comforted us with and learning how to take care of ourselves and how to heal ourselves and how to make ourselves feel better in moments of sadness and moments of anger, how to calm ourselves down because for so much of our lives, someone else was kind of doing that part for us, right? There was always, always someone to lean on. There was always someone to to cry on someone's shoulder, to have someone rub our back, tell us we're going to be okay, it's going to be okay. And then we, using the metaphor of leaving the nest, we leave the nest and our parents no longer have that part of them to help and to give and to provide. And we are without that too. And I think, you know, obviously there 
of course, not everyone's parents are there, but if they are there and you do have that relationship with them, yeah, of course you can call them or maybe you have the fortunate opportunity to go to them and see them in person more often. But if you don't, you have to, and they're not going to be there 24 seven, right? Like you have to figure out at the end of the day, how to become a parent to yourself as much as your own adult and individual. Yeah, only a nitpick, but you don't need to, you don't have to, you can choose to. Yes. And it's a choice. And it's also talking about reality in general, like we're always creating our realities every second, every moment. And actually, I, don't, I try not to overcorrect people I don't know too well, but there's an element of I'm not good with people or I'm not good at online dating is a good uh, example of the guy you brought up earlier. And every time I, that person, that the guy says, I'm not good at online dating, it's like a muscle and he's actually doing a rep towards that belief system. And so if I have the thought of I'm lazy, I'm actually strengthening that belief system. Even the past does not equal the future. So I can choose right now to be like, I'm such a hardworking individual. Even if in the past I haven't been, the start comes from strengthening those belief systems, those muscles that help you how you want to show up in the world. And in the beginning, it's very hard because for many years, like for me and Mike, for example, I had like, I thought the thought like no one likes me. And every time I would say no one likes me, it would strengthen that belief system. And in the beginning of saying I'm loved and supported by the people around me, it felt awkward and weird because it was just a muscle I've not worked out. So it's like, I'm trying to do push-ups with a muscle I've never done a push-up with. It feels off. And what a lot of people do is they go back to that strong muscle of you know people don't like me or whatever that that belief system that's not helping them or making them feel good is. So we're always practicing our reality. Yeah, it's so true because my mom when I was younger, whenever I would say, "Oh, I can't do that. I can't do that," she would always say, "Stop! Stop saying that! Stop saying that! Yes, you can say it. Yes, I can. Yes, I can." And whenever that thought comes up in my head now, and I, you know, I used to roll my eyes and say, but I can and no, whatever. But now when I get to something that's really a difficult task or something that I'm like, oh, this is too hard, or I can't do this, or I don't have, you know, whatever that thought is, I hear my mom's voice and I switch it and I'm like, yeah, you can, you can do anything. You are capable. Your mom said so. That's that's a super supporter. She is. She's the best. Yeah, she's my number one fan. So yeah, but thank you so much for this conversation. This has been an incredible, incredible hour of just, yeah, I feel enlightened and just excited to focus on my good energies. So I just have a couple rapid fire questions and then we'll close out with where everyone can find you. So the first is, how do you get excited for a date? I think human connection as social art. And the reason I say that is because however old you are, multiply that 365 days and how many hours is that? And then two people have gone through that many, those, that many moments and experiences and they come together is just exciting. Just seeing it as just an, a, another social art piece in a sense is how I get excited about dates. And it's, I see every single day as an opportunity to learn something and I always choose to see things as a, I don't always, I'm not going to lie to you, I'm not perfect. <laughs> how do I see it? How, what can I learn from it? I don't know, I, that's kind of how, how I get excited about it. I love that. And what is your ideal date? My ideal date is honestly something I enjoy doing and they're, they're there as well. So that 
if we don't have chemistry, I still get to do that thing that I really enjoy. So for someone like climbing, I go on a climbing date with a girl, then I got to climb. Epic. <laughs> if we go bike riding, we don't, you know, see eye to eye. We don't, we don't have chemistry. I got to go on a bike ride. I love bike riding. So I think there's an element of uh, seeing people as a guest in your reality instead of making like, I'll do anything you want. Let me just, yeah, I like that too. This is a lot of people do. And where can everyone find you? You can find me, uh, Jeremy Talks to Strangers on Instagram. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, thank you so much, Jeremy, for your insight and wisdom and for being vulnerable and showing up today as you authentically are. And we will talk soon. Sounds good. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode or this podcast in general, I would greatly appreciate it if you could subscribe, rate, and review below. And if you can think of anyone who would enjoy this podcast, please consider sharing it. As a new podcast, the most helpful thing is to grow by word of mouth. After all, who doesn't enjoy a good date story? Lastly, if you would like to connect with me, please follow me on Instagram at ghosts underscore of dates past. And feel free to shoot me a DM if you have a comment, question, or would like to be a guest. I'm always looking for new people to bring on to the show. Hope you all have lovely weeks, and I'll be back next week for another juicy episode. Bye for now.